welcome to the Long Miles Podcast. Uh, your host here, Ben Carlson, along with Abby Fobb. We're sitting in Minneapolis and excited to bring you our very first podcast. This is going to be a great interview. We've got mm. the Benjamin Paz from Honduras, San Vincent. During our interview, yep. I was really surprised at the amount of just responsibility that he carries for the farmers in, in his area. Absolutely. One of the things that we don't know as coffee consumers often is where the risk lies mm-hmm, and right. and really the risk lies with different people all across the board but when you're thinking Honduras and what Benjamin is doing he is carrying like 500 mm-hmm. families yes, or more that, yeah. relying on him to find homes for their copies and pandemic or not he's got to find a home so mm-hmm. I am I, I was impressed mm-hmm. and I'm excited for everybody to jump in on this uh, podcast listen in for our four-part series on producers around the world. Yeah, and uh, and stick around towards the end. He names a few of the coffee shops where we can pick up a bag of his coffee and, and support Ben Hamid. Absolutely. I'm actually going to jump online. I'm going <laughs> to grab myself some San Vincent. Thanks very much. Can't wait. Let's jump in. We are excited to be doing our very first Long Miles Coffee podcast and it's a four-part series Mm -hmm. i'm talking to probably some of the best producers of coffee in the world (laughs) yourself not excluded well thank you yeah thanks but but (laughs) we we don't want to digress into the virtues of african coffee today (laughs) what what we really want to do is we want to talk about uh honduras and there is literally no one else that we could talk to except for benjamin Mm. paz Mm -hmm. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, Abby. How are you? Welcome. Welcome. Hi. Where are you right now? I'm I'm at the middle. Um, I'm in the in the office right now. Um, and yeah, happy mm-hmm. happy to be here. Uh, thank you, uh, Ben, for the invitation. And uh, yeah, I'm very excited about this. That sounds awesome. Okay, you say mill, and yeah. I just I I mean you're probably asking. I mean, okay, our background. I mean, you know me. We. You know, I, I've got long miles. We we produce coffee in Burundi. We export coffee. We've got a washing station, but we've got no dry mill. So whenever I hear mill, I would think dry mill. What would you think when you hear mill? Uh, I think, uh, yeah, our, uh, what's the word? Our could not, nah, I don't know. <laughs> you, you're thinking. I don't know. Like a windmill in Amsterdam. That's what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, so so yep. can you just give for those of us who are a little ignorant uh, an overview of like what what a mill is where you are? Yeah, so uh, I'm at the I'm at the facility where where uh, coffee and parchment is being processed and uh, and transforming to you know, like green coffee. I guess I can say transform. Ah, <laughs> uh, trans. I like that. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it's uh, the facility uh, owned by my family, and this is where where I work. Okay, so your mill is Burundi's washing station. It's the place where we you take cherries and transform them into green or to parchment. No, this will be this will be uh, dry mill. Dry mill. Aha. See, now we're on the same page. Now we're, we're yeah, we're, wa- we're no, we're walking together here. I, I feel you now. I feel it. <laughs> yeah, so that that's exactly what it is. It's a dry mill. I receive parchment. And I process it, and I get the the green, and uh, and it's also an exporting company. So we we process and export. All right, is this? But you're and you're in Honduras. Correct. 
I am in Honduras. But how close are you to El Salvador? Because you're, I mean, Honduras, El Salvador, it's, you know, you share a border. Or where is the mill? Yeah, we're, we're, I would say, four and a half hours to the border and probably like seven hours to the to the capital of San Salvador. Drive, driving so, with me. <laughs> driving with you. <laughs> I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to come very time soon. Can we have someone else drive? <laughs> so do you spend most of your time in the, in the mill where you are now? Or what does, uh, what does everyday life look like for you? Yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, I started working here at 7 and I leave you know, until things are done. Right now, during this quarantine season, we're, we're leaving early around... Uh, 5 p.m. Uh, during harvest time or during like regular hours, we will stay here until late, seven, seven, eight, nine, sometimes later than that during harvest season, right? Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much uh, my my everyday from Monday to Sunday. So now my question is: is like I know that you're you the way you the way you operate as a as a producer and as an exporter. I mean, I, you've got your own farm as well, correct? Yes. Yes, I have three now. Are, now, are you bragging or are you just telling the facts? <laughs> I have three. Are, those are not bragging. I'm just I'm joking. joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Don't think these are like like big. It's just small plots. Small plots. Is that normal in Honduras, like small plots? And when you say a small plot, are we talking like 200 trees, 1,000 trees? What's What's the norm? It would be an average, I would say, of one and a half to two hectares uh, farm size average okay and for americans that don't know that that's like five that's like five, five acres, acres right? five six acres yeah five six acres so what there so, are smaller yeah, so, but there are also bigger ones but can, that's kind of like the average mine mine is uh close to four four hectares so just to give people an understanding there are a lot of families a lot of coffee farmers that bring their cherries to your mill and then you process and sell the raw bean to roasters is that kind of the correct that's that's exactly uh, what what we do we receive the coffee from the producers and we process those coffees and we export them and send the green to people that are going to roast them hmm. and so you said it is harvest time right now right yes it is we're we're uh, getting to to the end of it uh okay. we're probably missing one picking or two more and then by mid-june end of June, it'll be done. So uh, just in general, we're going to pivot just a little bit. We're in the middle of a, of a global pandemic. And uh, we're kind of just wondering your general thoughts on the pandemic and then how or if you've noticed it affect uh, your farmers. Yeah, I would describe uh, this pandemic as a tragedy. As a tragedy. Uh, you know, like there's uh, outside of, you know, like, uh, business it's been it's been really sad to see you know how many people have died from from this uh, pandemic it's been it's been terrible and and of course as, as a community as a country we have been very scared uh, because uh, our health uh, conditions here are not you know like our health services I would say are not are not the best and not you know uh, like a first world uh, country right and we have seen you know like italy or the us uh, or you know like spain uh, getting uh, hurt really bad by this and we've been really scared about it and that's you know thinking about our health and for the business side it's been affecting you know like everything 
pretty much. So it's been it's been a bit a bit complicated. Okay, on the business side, and that's that's really interesting because I, I'm wondering just from like a production standpoint. I mean, at the dry mill or even at the washing stations and at the farm level, like does COVID affect this? I mean, or is it more on the sales side that's affecting it? I mean, I, I know on the sales side, we'll get to that just now, but I'm wondering from a dry mill and farming situation, how is COVID affecting that? Like, what do you see? Or is there just kind of like business as usual because you have to go on? Um, we, we actually had to change the whole system, uh, right? Because we, because of the quarantine. So the government established the quarantine right at the middle of the peak of the harvest, right? We're talking about the end of March. So we had a lot of farmers that wanted to deliver their coffee. We had still had a lot of people that were, you know, taking pickers from one place to the other to go pick at the farms. And uh, the restrictions that uh, the quarantine applied uh, made uh, transportation specifically uh, very difficult. So it was a little bit of a challenge to, to, to go from one place to the other. And uh, not only that, you know, just the fact that the exposure could, you know, like, uh, get us contaminated or infected, you know, it was kind of like scary. So uh, people just followed the rules of the quarantine and they had to stay in the communities or stay in these houses during the peak of the harvest. So it was, mm. it was a bit complicated. It was a bit But wait, wait a minute. You know, and I know that harvest doesn't wait for anyone and, right. and, and it harvest, harvest does not wait for a pandemic. I mean, when cherries are ripe, it's time to pick pandemic or not so what so what how did you how did the farmers deal with this like how did you deal with this from your farm level like so basically luckily in my in my uh, position right luckily i was able to uh, get some pickers and i have a house at my farm so the pickers were living over there but they were stocked in the in the farm because of the quarantine so the difficulties for them was to get food to get resources you know like the payments so we had to, you know, like to make plans uh, uh, with the local governments to let us pass because there were uh, roads completely blocked that people were not letting letting anyone get into the towns. So I have to go to through like four to five towns, and there was a checkpoint in each town, and they were weren't letting people get in and out. So uh, they were safe over there because no one really goes to to. Uh, to the farm except for for me uh so i was lucky because they were living over there but some other farmers had the difficulties mm. to you know like that they needed to transport people and they couldn't so they had to get help from the local um uh, people living in the communities and they were lucky enough to be uh, uh able to go and get pickers from the same community so the same people helped each other as an strategy uh during this 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 restriction, so that was kind of mm-hmm. like the biggest the biggest issue at the time. And as you said, Ben, you know, like the coffee is not gonna wait; it's going to ripe. No. And uh, and farmers, you know, like we're we're there, you know, seeing what ha- was happening with what was happening with the coffees, and they needed to pick it, you know, they needed to to harvest it. So so the 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 work was 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 done and had to be done. What does the community of coffee growers around you, what do they think about COVID-19? Is it more fear or frustration or something in the middle? I think, I think you say that, Abby. I mean, it's just both, you know, like fear and frustrations. Fear because, you know, like you don't want to get, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, the, the disease, you don't want to get the virus. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we have, uh, you know, elder relatives that, you know, like are exposed. We have people that, you know, like have uh, specific weaknesses with, you know, like health. Uh, for example, my business partner in the farm, he has, he has a lot of problems with his lungs and, and, uh, and he would be affected really bad if he get the virus. So that's the part, you know, like they were afraid of, 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 of getting sick. We, we have that fear of, of, of getting the virus. And, and the other one is kind of like frustrating just to see, you know, like how things are going with the work, uh, with the limitations. Uh, and I'd say limitations is about, you know, like when I say limitations about everything, you know, like getting cash, banks were closed just to do the payrolls, you know, was a difficult thing. Um, when people, and also, you know, like the risk that uh, we are facing right now, and this is, would be open another, another topic is, is the actual problems that our market, you know, was having you know, like roasters, uh, you know, like ha having to close their businesses that would stop, you know, like, and it's stopping right now. Uh, or sales because they were not selling, right? So the farmers were aware of this, and 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 it was uh, a little bit frustrating for them to 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 not really have uh, a clue of what was going to happen with their profits. Well, actually, that was what I was going to ask about, and I think that's a big part of this conversation is kind of like like the question I think a lot of people in the specialty coffee community are wondering is is like what what are the concerns or the challenges for coffee producers right now, you know, and especially you as a producer and exporter. And I think, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think you said it is like kind of the fear of like the fact that I imagine a lot of the cafes and roasteries that you supply closed at least partly, or maybe like shut the doors completely for a couple of months. Is that, is that the biggest challenge is like how you sell the coffee then? Um, yes, I, I I would I would uh, completely agree with you on that. Those, those are the main uh, problems, right? And like seeing you know, like our main buyers, you know, like closing their cafes completely for you know like 15, 20, 30 you know like, uh, days. Some of them just just like completely close some of their stores because you know because of several reasons they they couldn't uh, continue uh, open. You know, like with all the communications that we had with them, we were getting this this news and. And sadly, you know, like people had to cancel their contracts. They had to reduce their volumes dramatically. And we, as an exporter, and, and you know, like the 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 connection in between roasters and farmers, you know, and I had to to provide this information, and it was really scary and and, and complicated for them. You know, like I I have farmers that were selling the hundred percent of their crop to a specific uh, roasters, and those roasters cannot take these coffees. If it, I mean, if you think about there, I mean, oftentimes, like I'm thinking, you know, what right when we started Long Miles, we had one, we had one roaster that offered to say, "Hey, we want to take all of your production. We'll we'll take a hundred percent." And actually, it was a very attractive idea, but I could, and I, but we ended up, we have, been, you know, we turned it down because we wanted to like serve lots, like we had too many different friends who were looking for coffee, but like now. I could imagine, like, if I had that one roaster. All eggs in one basket, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Like, so, okay, just, let's just zoom in on, like, this one farmer. Like, like you're obviously exporting, you're you're milling and exporting his coffee, but what do you, so what do you do? Like, are you brainstorming with him on buyers, or is he just looking to you for a, an answer? 
And how do you find an answer then? So basically, yes, you know, I, I'm, I'm the responsible for the coffee now, right? So, you know, like they bring the coffee and they trust me and they, you know, like they drop the coffee with the expectation that we are going to sell it. You know, this is, this is the case of 350, 400 producers, right? That they bring the coffee and, uh, you know, trusting that we're going to sell it. So in these conditions, I have to be the one giving them the word, you know, that we're going to be able to sell it. So then, you know, like we, we start, you know, like putting together strategies, reaching out to people, reaching out to, to, to customers that could, you know, like having a space for these coffees and things uh, get a little bit complicated because not everyone right now, I would say no one right now. Wait, is... wait, 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 a little complicated. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a huge complication. I mean, you, I mean, you've got to be after, Maybe after one or two people I know, including myself, you're one of the most positive people and kindest people I know. But like this, I mean, this is super complicated, like you're saying, because and, and I hate to jump in on you like this because like your, your, your train of thought is going. But like your I know your vision like and you're working in a specific micro region. Uh, do you call it you, you, you call it San Vincent, right? Or do you say Santa, Santa Barbara? Barbara? San Vicente is the, is the name of the company. It would be the, it would okay. be Santa Barbara as a Santa as Bar- a as a micro region. Okay, so for Santa Barbara, like your your vision, and and stop me if I'm wrong here, but like uh, your vision is that 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 you're you're gonna ensure that farmers are receiving a sustainable price for their coffee. So like you know, and this is a little bit of shifting gears, but I'm gonna circle back to what you were saying about finding a home for it. Mm-hmm. Is like, do you think up until let's say up until now that the the producers around you and yourself, do you think that they've been receiving a sustainable price for coffee? Uh, talking about specialty, yes. But now, you and, I, you and I both know that, yes, specialty, okay. But like, like of, of, of all the coffee, maybe 25, maybe 40% of the coffee could be specialty and the rest is commodity. So on a whole, are these producers actually, are they receiving across the board, is there, is it, is it, is a, is a is it a sustainable price point up to now for like a, all grades? Oh, if if we talk about outside of a specialty band, definitely not. I mean, it's not it's not really sustainable. You know, like for commercial grade producers, this year was the worst. This this past couple of years, I would say, were the years that you know, like people have stopped believing in in coffee, and a lot of people decided to change uh, that and you start doing something else. You know, like in other businesses or other products because coffee wasn't profitable for them. Which is, this, I mean, this to me is really interesting because it's something that when when we were looking at the Burundi coffee sector, and this was well before we even started Long Miles, I had just come in when the, when the government had privatized the coffee sector back in 2007, eight, And then by 2010, I was doing a report on like what could make Burundi survive. And the result was there is no way coffee can be sustainable unless you're doing specialty. There's just there's no sustainability, hmm. and in fact, I don't know how pr- producers are producing coffee that are not selling specialty. So, do you think that with the COVID nineteen pandemic, it'll affect the sustainability of specialty coffee in your region going forward? For a specific producers, I would say it would affect because, uh, and, I, and let me explain this a little bit. Uh, so, basically, our specialty coffee model it's uh, in a relationship. Right? So one specific roaster buying one specific coffee. The farmers are small. They produce uh, small amounts. So uh, roasters can absorb all that volume. And sometimes it's not enough and they have to buy from three or four or five or six, some from 14 producers, right? 
in order to build volume. So for some of these farmers that had lost these relationships and their roasters couldn't buy the coffee, yes, right now it's not sustainable. Um, and, uh, and, it's been a, and it's been, as I say, challenging uh, because now we have to find, you know, like a home for those coffees. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's happening in this crisis, during this crisis where no one really is looking to, to get more volume on top of what they already have. All right. This, I mean, that, I mean, that really leads us to kind of a place where, like, we really want to know, like, how do people support you? Like, how how do we do that? Like, it, this this is yeah. I'm blown away by the amount of responsibility you have to sell the coffee and and support the farmers in in your region. I mean, absolutely. And and I, I mean, huge. we hear. I mean, Arc for the for the for the Seven Corners Cafe that you're. Mm-hmm. operating it's like you're laying off you're not laying off but you're like drastically reducing Reduce, hours yeah. and you're mm-hmm. having less coffee sales but like mm-hmm. coffee roasters are feeling the crunch but when it comes down to it like coffee farmers are like the low man on the totem pole you know and coffee producers so like there's got to be a way that we make sure that specialty coffee is is survives and mm-hmm. i think right now like Honduras is in a in a really tough spot because this is like the peak of COVID nineteen, peak of when everyone is not buying coffee because mm-hmm. everybody's long on coffee, and here is the time where you sell coffee. Right. So mm-hmm. what do we do? What I mean, how how do we how does Honduras coffee? How do we get um, San Vincent coffee? Like, what could we do right now? Basically, uh, you know, the the biggest problem that we have is that you know, like we're long in inventory. We understand that a lot of people have the same problems and are in the same situation. But, you know, like if there are roasters out there that still have uh, room for for some coffee, you know, like they feel that they, you know, like uh, because of these restrictions, they, they aren't selling a lot. Uh, but if things are getting better and they didn't come into coffees and they happen to have in a space later in the year or something like that, that they could, you know, like get get some coffee you know that would be that would be the, the best thing we can you know like start moving and if there's people interested in getting you know, like high quality coffee in a relationship uh, and establish that you know like that that can be a, a great strategy to to start buying from a from a producer or from the source uh, and and we have that so by working with 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 you and San Vincent you could as a roaster you could set up a long term relationship with a single producer or a group of families that could be like a long-term thing where you would lock in that they're going to sell to you as a roaster you're going to get to know them come and visit and that could be locked in as your coffee is that what you do yes really yeah yeah and that's that's pretty much the description of of my of my work and it's you know like based on 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 quality and and responsibility and commitment and loyalty and Mm. and and that's and that's been a risk because of covid so uh, the the best option would be right now, you know, like to for for us to find the market, to find an opportunity uh, for those coffees that you know like uh, don't have a, a home or are, uh, or we're struggling with uh, selling. And also, you know, like another thing that people can do is just support their actual uh, customers. Support, you know, like for the people that are not really into into buying green, you know, like people that are you know, like regular consumers, they can just you know continue supporting. Uh, these type of projects, like what you have, and and continue buying, you know, like roasted coffee, and 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 honestly, Ben, 
you know, like right now, uh, uh, for a lot of roasters that are out there, you know, like just just by the fact that you can buy, you know, like a bag of coffee or something, it's it's a lot of support, and that would directly impact on on our side as well. That's kind of what I was gonna I was gonna ask. It might be a much smaller scale, but as a coffee drinker and a consumer. Uh, where where can we find your coffees? Are there uh, coffee? And you're thinking North America? I'm thinking in or well or online. We can you can order anywhere from anywhere, yeah. right? So, uh, who's who's carrying your coffee right now that we could jump on the website and order? And this this is this is a tricky question because he's probably question. got about 150 I roasters. Suppose. But I like it's a this. hot question. So yeah. it, this is good. I'm like, I <laughs> who's your know. favorite? No, 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 not <laughs> But I mean, I mean, wink, wink. Um, give, give us like a, f- give us five, give us five roasters right now. Who've got your coffee? Uh, five roasters that are carrying our coffees right now. Uh, I would say uh, Saint Frank. Uh, my friend Kevin, he's also carrying my very own coffee uh, right now. Um, um, I would say someone up uh, in the northwest, Cova. Uh, um, scary in our coffees as well. Um, in uh, this uh, Southern California, West Coast, uh, I would say uh, Verb is also carrying our coffees. Um, on the East Coast, um, I would say Bolt Coffee in Providence. Um, they're carrying our coffees. And uh, and uh, somewhere near where you guys are, uh, Spy House. So they're carrying ah. carrying our coffees as well. Oh yeah, in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> you th- passed the quiz. Oh man, yeah. that was that's really putting you on the spot. <laughs> and we can we'll add the websites to the show notes so people don't have to like go um, go searching yeah, around. Yeah, we'll- but. I- I, the, the, there's a question I'm going to ask every single one that's on this four-part series. And the question's <laughs> going to be is this. If, uh, if you got given one hectare of land anywhere in the world hmm. to plant, where would, it, where would you want that hectare to be and what varietal would you plant? Uh, so do I have to pick a country or? You got to pick a country. <laughs> got to pick a country. And that is not Honduras, right? Yeah. That's not Honduras. You, yeah, you can't pick Honduras because obviously it would be Honduras. You already got that. You already yeah, got yeah. Honduras. Mm-hmm. So you, you can go anywhere else in the world. You get one hectare and you get to plant one variety. Where would you go? What would you plant? Uh, uh, not Burundi because I will have to plant only Bourbon and I already have Bourbon. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. <laughs> uh, that's a really hard question. You know, like I would, I would say Ethiopia. I would say Ethiopia I like because it. I... Because I've heard it's it's been I mean it's, it's the place of birth of coffee and I've heard it's challenging, uh, it's not easy and even though it's been it's complicated you know like the coffee quality is amazing. So what would what would you what varietal would you plant though? Like I mean it's Ethiopia. I will I will plant. Uh, I, I'm I'm very sentimental with the with the pacas from Honduras, right? The pacas from mm. Santa Barbara. That it's a very special oh. variety that put us in the map. So I will plant Santa Barbara Pacas in Ethiopia. Beautiful. And I mean, just to wrap up, I mean, I got to be a little bit harsh on Benjamin right now because um, our mutual friend, you mentioned Kevin from St. Frank, let me try. I I remember when I first met Kevin, I said, I've never, I've never tasted, I've never tasted a Honduras coffee that's any good. 
And I was being very harsh. You and told like, me that I when I first met you. He's like, ugh. Oh, Honduras was terrible. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I tried this Santa Barbara coffee from Benjamin Paz. It was a Pacas. And I just about cried because I was like, how can this be so good? Where have you been all my life? Mm. Honestly, Ben, I mean, you produced some of the finest coffees in the world. So well done to you on that. If, if people want to find you, put it in the show notes. Like, what's the best way to reach out to you? It's, it's, uh, uh, it's an honor, really, you know, like that you, that you say those words. And it's very special for me because that's what we want to do, right? We want to produce good coffee. And I would say the same to you. And that Ninga Hill that it's super good that I always enjoy. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I on my email, uh, we don't really have a website. We should have a website. Oh, websites are overrated. Come on. Just get Instagram. You got your Instagram is beautiful. I, I uh, yeah, I have an Instagram, uh, my email or just through, you know, like the partners that we have uh, in the U.S. So we have, you know, like. A lot and, and good friends also like like you just you know like whoever wants to get in touch uh, yeah definitely I'm 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 there. Well, that's beautiful. Thank you, Benjamin. You are a real pleasure to work with. Uh, my my dream is that somebody puts together the Benjamin bundle bundle and we we, we get we get a San Vincent along with a with the, with the, with a long miles uh, in a in the Benjamin bundle. But until that day comes, <laughs> Kevin from Saint Frank. Yeah, someone like someone's got. I mean, come on, someone's, someone's got. I mean, come on. But until that day comes, like, thank you, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for being. Thanks for doing what you're doing, standing up for the farmers uh, in Honduras, um, and for being a good guy, making ridiculously good coffee. So, and thanks a lot, Benjamin Paz from San Vincent, Honduras. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for the space uh, and for the opportunity. And uh, I wish you guys uh, the great congratulations on the podcast. And, and please stay safe and, and keep drinking coffee. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.